Welcome to the Nonprofit Power Hour with Jamila podcast. I'm so excited that you're on this new journey with me. Get ready to hear from grassroots founders as they share their startup stories of impact. And if anyone knows me, you know I love a good story. You'll meet my clients, other nonprofit founders, and hear from industry experts as they provide guidance and strategies to help you navigate this nonprofit space. I will provide training in some of the episodes as well. So come on in and invite a few friends. You never know, you may be my next guest. Hey guys, it is Wednesday, my favorite night of the week. It is another episode of the Nonprofit Power Hour with Jamila. I am so excited to have a couple of my past clients with me today. Hey, Sunita. Hey, Tony. How are you? Hey, how's it going? It's going great. What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are doing great. So we are really happy to be here on the show today. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So if you would share the mission of the organization, your vision, and how long you've been in service. Oh, of course. So... Uh, again, my name is Antonio Mitchell and my wife is Anita Mitchell, and we, uh, in 2018, founded Anias Project Incorporated, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that helps families who have either experienced pregnancy and infant loss or have uh, or are dealing with fertility challenges. Uh, our vision is very simple. We're looking to make mission impact within the community and to advocate and spread the, the awareness of pregnancy and infant loss, uh, not only at the community level, but also at the legislative uh, level as well, because we want to make sure that uh, we want to make sure that we're, you know, putting it out there, especially in the African-American community. Excellent. Thank you for that. So this episode or this segment is called My Journey of Impact. And that's what we're really going to be talking about tonight is your journey of impact. How did you both get here, which caused the birth of the organization? So our journey of impact was that in um, April 26, 2010, we lost our daughter, Anaya um, Simone, at 28 weeks uh, pregnancy. And so we, it took us on a journey of just total devastation. We ended up experiencing um, fertility challenges. And so we knew we wanted to do something, but we wasn't sure what. And let me just say, you know, at the beginning, it wasn't necessarily we wanted to give back right away, but as life would have it, different things would show up and happen that we knew eventually we would have to share our story to help other couples to um, navigate after loss. And so um, actually speaking with you, um, I was like, well, I know I want to do something. I know I want a nonprofit. And so working with you, we were able to set up a NIAS project. And um, here we are, 2017. I was on a mission. I was like, we need to get this done before we enter into 2018. And we did it. We met all of my milestones. I was very excited to have it done by a specific date and we were able to officially launch in April 2018 which was right near Anaya's birthday so was very excited to be able to birth this organization and help the community awesome and yes you were dedicated you were focused you knew what you wanted when you came and I was like (laughs) yes I love this Let's just get the work done. Get it um, done. <laughs> <laughs> and how about you, Tony? I know that, you know, married couples, you guys mostly speak in one voice, but you know, so how was, how was the journey for you though, getting here? It was actually a pretty, uh, I want to say enduring transition to this point because news and Anaya, that was my first ever experience dealing with pregnancy. Uh, as a whole, it was our first child together because we are a blended family. So uh, we, I was definitely excited about Anaya um, having her. Uh, but when we lost her, that 
put my faith to the test, mm -hmm. so to speak. And just like Sunita said, it took some years to get to a point where I could actually say, okay, I'm ready to actually talk about Anaya because at that point I wasn't ready. It, mm -hmm. I didn't want to talk about it. And even today, um, even though I share my testimony, I still share some tears because it's still a hurtful experience. And to be at this point right now, starting from 2018 all the way up to this point, it has been very inspirational uh, in helping me to deal and cope with the loss of Anaya. So Anaya's project has definitely helped me in that regard to not only restoring my faith, but also helping me to help other men uh, to share their stories as well, dealing with pregnancy and infants, and also dealing with fertility issues. Yeah, and I think it's huge that men have a voice as well. You know, I think we just automatically go to the woman and her needs, and there's nothing wrong with that, but there is a man, a whole man on that <laughs> side who's also, you know, dealing with the same challenges. And, you know, men are taught not to show your emotions and keep it in and just be strong. But in this type of situation, you can't. And I know that through the work that you do through Anaya's project, you do meet the, men, the need of men as well. So let's talk about your services. What services are provided through Anaya's project? Okay, so one of the things that Anaya's project um, services that we provide are our bereavement boxes. And this was like the, the crux, I would say, for what we knew we wanted to be able to provide families with. And so we have three boxes. There is a pink box, there is a blue box, and then we have a box that has the rainbow, which is represents our um, fertility families. So um, starting with the pink and blue boxes, these are our bereavement boxes where we have candles, um, tools, strategies. Um, it comes with various things inside to give to a couple. Okay, so it's not just for the mom. We also have things inside that are for the mom and the dad, the couple. And so um, that will just bring them a source of comfort. Um, tea bags, uh, a way to remember their child. There's a candle. There are uh, forget-me-not seeds that they can grow inside. So we have the bereavement boxes. We have our peer-to-peer -peer support groups. Um, these are done monthly. Um, where we just allow people to talk because sometimes they just need to be heard. Yes, we recommend people to go to therapy and therapy is great, but sometimes you just need to unleash in front of people who understand and want to be heard. Um, and so those these support groups are for grandparents, aunties, because as we mentioned, it's not just the mom and it's not just the dad because then you have the children and you have the aunties and the grandparents. So when someone has experienced pregnancy loss um, or the road to um, parenthood can be impactful to the entire family. So it's important to have these support to support groups. And then in 2021, we are going to add an element to the support groups, which is our grief recovery method, which is going to be a curriculum base, walk you through becoming complete inside of your um, your bereavement process after pregnancy loss or after another failed fertility um, attempt. So that part is actually more in depth than the peer-to-peer. -peer. This is a structured environment where it's a closed support group running seven to eight weeks, seven weeks individually, eight weeks for the group. Um, and so that's what we'll be um, implementing in 2021. Yeah, also I wanna mention too, in 2021, we're gonna launch our burial assistance program as well. Uh, through this program, when we lost Anaya, we were very blessed uh, to be at the hospital we were at and around the hospital. And they actually gave us the option to uh, cremate Anaya and it was free of charge. Uh, for us. So that was a huge blessing because not many hospitals provide that mm -hmm. opportunity. So what we're going to do is we're going to work with our local funeral homes and we're going to see if we could develop these partnerships. If a family desires to bury their love, uh, their infant, uh, we'll be able to provide that assistance through that funeral home as well. So we're looking forward to that. 
Yes. Wow. And Wonderful. then the and the last thing I want to mention is this is something that we just launched like this month. <laughs> is our life certificates. Okay, so a, a family can go to aniasproject.org, go to our service tab, and they can actually print out a life certificate. If oh, they wow. would like for me, like for us to print it out and um, customize, personalize it with the information that is on the certificate, then they have that option as well. Why was this important? It's important because so many, especially children, I mean, families who have lost their babies early, they don't get life certificates. And what we learned from um, the labor, um, the statistics, where we get our birth certificates from, they do not actually issue birth certificates for every child that is born there. Their heart has to be at least once before they will issue a birth certificate. So you have families who may have a child all the way up to almost birth, but if after they give birth, they do not get birth certificates. So we wanted to still acknowledge the birth. And that is key to families of loss is being able to acknowledge my child was here. So these life certificates will afford families to be able to say, to have something to say, my baby was indeed, indeed here and we're acknowledging our baby. Wonderful. Oh, I'm so excited for you all with all the good stuff coming up. And, <laughs> and that's the thing. We just keep stacking ideas on top of ideas and just really figuring out, okay, here's our service population. Here are what we're challenged by, what others are challenged by. How do we provide a solution for that? And you all have done that. Um, are there any services, though, specifically for men that's not grouped in with any anyone else? Can you share what those services are? Because we may have people listening who may be in need of support. Yes. Oh, go ahead, Tony. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, starting in January of uh, 2021, we are going to have our separate men's support group that will just be for the men, and we'll have this on a quarterly basis. And this will be a forum that's a safe environment where men could come in and fully express themselves concerning their loss to wherever they're dealing with. Because as men, and I could speak from this, we, we have a lot of pressure that's placed on our shoulders. And most of the time, we don't communicate what exactly we're going through. We just internalize it. We keep it within. And then all of a sudden, when we reach our breaking point, we just let it all out but we don't want to wait till that breaking point happens to right. fully express how we feel we want to start going through this journey of saying this is how i'm feeling this is why i'm feeling this way and it's just something about the brotherhood when we support each other when we hug it out when we cry out it just just gives us that moment of freedom that we so mm -hmm. desire. So we're going to have that support group program every quarter. And we're also going to look at uh, events that we're going to try to establish. Uh, that's going to be sports themed events where men could just come together um, and just not care about the everyday things they have to deal with and just have a free moment to just enjoy themselves. So we're going to open up some more things for the men. Excellent, um, excellent. So 2021 is a big year for Anaya's project. Yes. Oh, I'm yes. so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait. I cannot I wait. <laughs> so let me ask you both, what was that moment in time where you got the word from God to move? Like, when is it, when was your time to launch? Like, this is it, Sunita, this is it, Tony, I need for you all to go. Um, I think it was most likely that time when I first contacted you, well, probably like the third time when I had contacted you and I just felt a push. Like it's not a, it's, it's not something that I can totally put into words, but you just feel this push, like you need to get this done and you need to have this done before. 2018 before you close the books on 2017 this needs to be launched mm -hmm. and um because initially when we were going to do a nice project we didn't even know like you know you have the idea but we had no idea <laughs> like 
what it was going to be. Like we knew the name, but we didn't even know it was going to be a nonprofit per se. We just thought uh, it was going to be another program to something else that we had going on. Mm -hmm. But then after speaking with you and just seeing some of your posts regarding your nonprofit um, set up services that started to make me really think like, no, Tony, we need to make this into a nonprofit. And then, like I said, the rest is history because then I called you and I was like, okay, Jamila, let's go. What, what can, look, I know you say it takes this long. How can we shrink that? I need this launched by. <laughs> yes, she did. Can we launch this by April? But I, I said, I must launch officially by April 2018. And her birthday is April 26th. I need this project to be launched by April 26, 2018. No excuses. It has to be done. So let's roll our sleeves up and <laughs> let's go. And she was like, I think we can do it. I think we can do it. It's going to be tight, but it, we can do it. I said, okay, let's do it. And so in September, um, we, re we received our 501c3. Woo! I was so excited. I was like, okay, Jamila. And so she was like, yes. So that was the momentum. It was just, you just know in your gut. You just feel it down in your spirit that now is the time. Now you must do it and you must do it now. Right. Yeah. I, I think for me, the moment that I was able to speak openly about it and not get fully emotional about speaking to it, but actually speaking to it. And I saw the impact of it's actually helping people. Then when Samita came with the idea, hey, we need to launch this nonprofit. I was like, okay. And then she said, I'm working with Jamil. I was like, okay, great. So uh, let's <laughs> get started. And everything started falling in place. Mm -hmm. And everything just started happening like boom, 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 boom at a rapid pace. And I was just like, wow, this is about to happen. We're about to. Like it's another. going down. It's really right. going down. <laughs> <laughs> so one, one second you're like, wow, this is about to happen. And then the other second is like, how are we going to do this? And, you know, it was just a nervous, a good nervous feeling. But <laughs> when we were able to launch, on Anaya's birthday in 2018, that was just such a fulfillment. And I think we really, really uh, put a foundation in place and we're steadily building on that foundation to keep our legacy alive. Yeah, absolutely. You all are absolutely doing that. And I'm, I'm watching the journey. I don't respond to everything, but I <laughs> see it. So just know that I see it and, and everybody sees it. And I definitely do see the growth. So over this journey so far, what are some lessons that you've learned? Um, I would say having a great team is very important, okay? Because um, as you keep the mission in front of you of why you started in the first place, keeping that at the forefront, you must have a team that is going to rally behind you and not just be your yes people, okay, that sounds like a great idea, but really hold you to the fire, like, okay, that sounds great, but like, let's be realistic, you know, can we really do that, or, you know, that team is really what makes it work, it's not one person leading this whole mission, uh, while Tony and I may be at the helm, it's really the team that gives us the momentum and the push to go forward because all of, you know, the teammates in our board, volunteers, all of these people are extensions to make the vision and the mission come to pass. And so that was key is having the right team, um, taking your time and having those realistic goals, um, measurable goals, as Tony would love to say, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and having those checks and balances, I would say for me. Okay, and Tony, what about you? I would definitely say, and Sunia kind of touched on this with the measurable goals and the key metrics. Uh, we had a strategic plan within the first uh, year or so of operation 
But this year, as everything paused, I was able to take a look at what we had in place. And I looked at it, I said, this is not the direction of where we're going. We're, we're doing more innovative things now versus where we were when we first started. So I did a total revamp of the whole strategic plan and now is exactly where we are in point of what we're trying to do and how we're going to expand the mission impact of Anaya's project. So for me, having a strategic vision and strategic outlook and goals and objectives and key performance metrics to really track how we're operating has benefited us greatly. And even with our new board, they're able to see, okay, I see exactly what you guys are trying to achieve and the time frame in which you're trying to achieve it. So that just brings everybody in place. So mm -hmm. the, the great team with a great plan is going to help, help us to better execute um, as we move forward. Yeah, that's a great recipe. And that's what I ask um, when I interview the nonprofit um, consultants and experts, I ask them, what is the nonprofit startup recipe? And you just gave a couple of the ingredients. <laughs> you got to have a strategic plan and you got to have a team who's willing to see the vision and help you to execute it. So congratulations on your new board members. I did see that as well. Yay, um, <laughs> and so we, I love new board members because it's new, fresh ideas. Mm -hmm they get to come in just ready to do the work and they see where you're going and they're like, okay, I can help. I can contact this person or I can do this. So it's good to roll your board in and out every two to three years so that you keep that freshness and the organization is healthy. Um, so I'm excited to see what your new board um, and you all do together in 2021. So let's talk about nonprofits in the sense that the work that we do is meant to change lives, behaviors and outcomes. So can you share some stories of impact that you would say that really brings about the vision of Anaya's project to life? Maybe some testimonials without being a little, you know, being too personal. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, for example, um, in conjunction um, with another organization, we were able to donate um, about 25 of our bereavement boxes to a hospital in Baltimore County and it and so we were able to receive a personal message from one of the recipients um, and she just explained how much the box meant to her and her husband and how the box made her feel made her smile even though her heart was broken, leaving the hospital. And so she said it was a ray of sunshine in the midst of her storm, and then she donated. So not only did she donate, but she wrote this note to us, mm -hmm. just talking about the impact. Um, and then we've had families who have experienced loss, who have gone on now, and they have their rainbow, we call rainbow babies, the babies that follow loss. And they still are connected with us because we were there for them in the midst of their, their trials as they was having experiences with their infertility. So they were dealing with infertility challenges and then they were dealing with the loss of a baby that they had before and now they have their, their, their beautiful baby. And so they always include us on their journey. And so that those kinds of stories of hope when you receive the box, it was more than some of the uh, emails that I may receive may say, this box looks so much better in person um, than when I saw it online and immediately tears fall. People have received things from us or been in part of our services um, our events, and they will say, it's just something about being around you and Tony that has helped me and my husband um, as we, you know, try to figure this thing out, especially those families who have the recurrent, you know, losses. It's hard because, you know, meeting with them at the hospital, sometimes they're shocked if I show up, you know, I will show up if they let me know, I will show up at the hospital um, and they are just 
like shocked. Mm -hmm. So that kind of impact, I like to impact in person. Me and Tony, we, we love to impact in person. Tony has done um, things with the men, a father's heart, and he can speak to what the men felt that day. And if I'm not mistaken, one of them was like, we need this, right? Exactly. So uh, we had an event called From a Father's Heart. Uh, and it was around the Father's Day time frame. And basically, it was just a opportunity for fathers who experienced this to come together and express their feelings. And it was so welcomed by the men. They said, wow, there's no form out there that really highlights this kind of loss in our lives. And we need more of an impact with this. And also, I've had several opportunities to speak at different men's uh, events concerning Anaya's project, concerning uh, our story uh, with Anaya. And it's definitely, I've had men come up to me and say, hey, I lost my son or I lost my daughter, I lost my baby, you know, and they, they feel like they could talk to me and, and they relate to me. So it's definitely making, it, it warms my heart to know that we're making an impact and it makes me want to do more within the community to make an even greater impact. So Anaya's project is an is an, is an extension <clears throat> of the families that you support, right? Um, yeah. The families have to allow you to come in, and there is no harm in people, you know, accepting what you provide, and that's it. But there are some who just need to be loved on, and I know how you all are. I, I've seen, you know, your your show that you had, and people relate to you because you're relatable. You're very honest. You're very open, um, and you have no qualms about what life really is, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's how, that's why people gravitate towards you. But I believe that that is what we need to do as nonprofits is just be an extension of the family if the families allow us to do so. And that's yeah. where we see that impact. Um, it happens with us that it takes two and not every family is able to open up to us, but when they do, oh my goodness, I've been to graduations <laughs> and birthday parties. You know, um, it's all because we awarded them a scholarship, you know, but I love that. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, that's yeah. awesome work. Because you don't want it to just be like a one and done, like here's your box, thank you, you know, here's your box and go off and, you know, mourn by yourself or thank you for attending this event and never hear from you. So when we're able to, I think for me, the real, that impact, like Tony says, the recurring impact, when they want to be around you at all aspects, you know, even after they have their rainbow babies or, you know, the baby after the rainbow, it's like they're still connected because we become a part of their journey. We become a part of their life, um, not just, you know, okay, I'm no longer mourning, and so now I don't have to deal with a nice project, but we want to really be a part of their journey, like the whole journey, like a part of it. Yeah, and I, and I, I hear that you all are, you know how you go to the doctor's office and they have the picture, the board of all the babies that are birthed. Yes, Maybe yes. you all need to have the pictures yes. of all the rainbow babies. <laughs> yes, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so what are some tips for, for married couples after a loss or while they're going through the fertility journey? I know it can be, it can be taxing. It can put a lot of pressure on a marriage and it could go sideways, you know? So how mm -hmm. did you all keep it together and not go at one another and just make the problem even bigger? Well, <laughs> we laugh because, you know, the couple that sits here 10 years after is not the same couple 10 years prior. Mm -hmm. So when we were in it, you know, these were our, these are our lessons learned right? Because in it, we were kind of at each other for a moment. And so we understand when couples go through that process. So what we say is, and I love acronyms, and it sometimes drives Tony crazy, but the, the acronym is we have to give each other grace, okay? And so that G would be that we have to remember that everybody does not grieve the same. Your spouse will not grieve the same. Your significant other will not grieve the same, you know, I, I don't even say, we don't even say men and women grieve differently. We just have different experiences with grief. And so it may show up different. Okay. And so we can't compare reactions on how the other person reacts. 
Um, and so that brings me to the R, which is react. So when we do react, we have to be reacting with compassion. Okay, we have to be soft and be thinking about the other person's feelings. And then that leads me to the A, which is we have to activate being intentional. So you have to be intentional on, on wanting to be there for your spouse, picking up those, those things. You know, Tony could tell when I was having a bad day. And so he would do something to try to, you know, make me smile, whether it's bringing me a flower or doing something or just saying, asking the question, how can I help you today? What can I do for you today? Are you okay? How can I support you in this moment? But you got to be intentional about doing that. And that leads to me uh, saying C, which is communicate. So communication is listening. It's not interjecting your opinion and thoughts, but just taking it for what that person is saying in the moment. So if they are mad, you accept that they're mad and they're mad at the whole world because their baby is gone and they're mad that things didn't work out. They're mad, you know, they may be, they may be mad about or, or, upset about the loss, but they don't even know why they're mad, you know? So sometimes you just have to think, okay, you know what? Maybe this is a moment, you know, with my spouse. So just allowing them to talk and feel and just be that listening ear. And then E, the expectations need to be realistic. And that means that you can't expect the person to feel how you feel, expecting them to be over it when you say they should be over it. You can't expect them to just jump back up and act like everything is like nothing happened. Or as some people say, when does uh, life get back to normal? Well, guess what? After you've experienced pregnancy and infant loss or infertility, your life is never normal again. Like this, you are now learning a new normal. So you, the impact of loss has transformed the two people who went down the aisle. You are not the same two people. This has totally impact you and so you have to expect that things are going to change and be welcoming of those changes and be you know accepting of not putting uh overburden expectations on your spouse mm -hmm. yeah and i would just say for the husbands um when, I, when we was going through the process mm -hmm. uh during this grace period we were actually I was so focused on making sure that you were okay, making sure the kids was okay, making sure the household was okay. I didn't really have the time to really just, you know, go through my own little process during the grief. So with Grace, one of the biggest things that really helped me, and I give Sunita a ton of credit with this, was the communication and the listening aspect of it. Uh, when we finally sat down and we talked about it, she allowed me to spill my heart out and she allowed me to say everything I wanted to say and she just listened. And even in those moments, I also want to add just the, just the being the, in the presence aspect of it. Sometimes I didn't have the words to say, but she gave me a hug because she knew I was going through something and I couldn't express it. So that was very key as well. So just be intentional and be, um, aware of the person where they're at mm -hmm. excellent those are great tips and i i think your grace can work for any situation mm -hmm. right because i'm i was yeah. listening i was like okay well that relates and <laughs> that relates <laughs> you know so i think that can work in many situations but thank you for that grace yeah. and that, that's an easy one because we ask for grace every single day every day because when you have that grace you're forgiving you know, sometimes your spouses may say something, they may unleash something, they may not understand, maybe they're having a bad day too. And so in the midst of that, you have to extend grace to each other because, you know, pain, sometimes people talk out of their pain and they say things or they do things that they really don't mean or, 
you know, they may come back and we just need to give them the opportunity to try to, you know, extend that grace. They're not going to always get it right. You're not always going to get it right. You don't always have, like Tony said, you don't always have the words to say. You don't always know what to do. And when you don't, you just need to say that. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help you in this. Mm -hmm. Do you have any suggestions on how I can help you in this? Because really, I just don't even know what to say. And sometimes that's really all your spouse really wants you to say, because sometimes they may not need you to fix it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It just may need you to just listen, you know, and, and that gives your vulnerability, you know, of I don't always have the answers. And that goes back to the realistic expectations. You can't expect your spouse to know all the answers because they're trying to figure it out too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're trying to figure out how they're going, how they are going to move forward. So not forgetting that you're both in this but you're both experiencing it different and you're both trying to figure out how you're going to move forward after such a devastating loss. So that's where the grace, got to give each other grace because you're both learning, you're both growing, you're both trying to navigate this thing after loss. Yeah, absolutely. Now you all are in the blended family and not every family is blended, but there are siblings into play, you know, so that's a whole nother conversation because you're dealing with, you know, adults, the parents, and then you have your children who don't know how to articulate how they're feeling, or they don't know what's going on. Mommy was pregnant. Now she's not, you know, so Mm -hmm. how do you help the siblings cope regardless of the age? Right. So in that particular, um, in our situation, we had a 16-year-old and a seven-year-old. And so, of course, they totally were in different spaces. One kind of, you know, you had to talk to one a little bit differently than you did with the, the younger one. But it's about letting them be heard. So, again, it's another acronym, ACT. You got to take action, which is you have to acknowledge their feelings. You have to engage them by asking the question, because again, they, like you said, they don't know. They just know that, you know, especially like my youngest son, Daniel, at the time, he didn't know. He just figured like mommy was pregnant. Now she's not. So we had to have that conversation. And in reality, we didn't have it right away because I was grieving. Tony was grieving. It really wasn't until um, my oldest son's grandmother brought it to our attention that Keith was having a problem because he used to play the organ every day, this keyboard every day. He toted that thing everywhere. And then all of a sudden he stopped. He He wasn't playing it anymore. He wasn't doing any of the things that he would normally do. And he came to her one day and asked her, what could he do to help his mom and his, you know, and Tony, mm-hmm. how could he help them? Because he just didn't know what to do. And it wasn't until she made that phone call to me and just was like, he's having a hard time. And so from that, as we began to think, this is where that acronym ACT comes in. We had to acknowledge the pain. We didn't realize that he was in in as much pain as he was until we acknowledged it. Mm -hmm. And we sat down, see, and communicated with him. How are you doing? What, you know, how are you guys processing this? And, you know, how can, you know, Tony and I help you through what you're feeling. What are you feeling? Mm-hmm. You know? And he was just like, man, I was excited. I was excited to have a sister. And, you know, I saw you guys crying. I saw you guys hurting because, you know, I was detached. Tony, you know, was detached. Like I said, when we were in, we're not the same people that we were when we were walking through this. And so we were very much you know, we were talking, but at the same time, we were both trying to heal. And so we communicated with Keith. What is it? You know, how are you feeling? How can we help you? We're sorry. Mm-hmm. We're sorry that we didn't ask you how you felt because we didn't even know that you were, you were impacted. Yeah. Right? And that's a challenge for parents, for us to mm-hmm. 
you know, call out a fault and apologize. Oh, yes. It shouldn't be, but some for some it is. But I'm, you know, that's that's important that it's you apologize important. for not acknowledging it. Yeah. Yes. And so when he was like, well, and so then the T would be treat. So how do we help him to deal with his feelings? And so when he came to us and he was like, I want to get a tattoo. So he's 16. What do you mean you want to get this tattoo? Like, and I, you know, Tony's cool because, you know, he has all the tattoos. Me, on the other hand, <laughs> I'm too scared, right? I'm like, what do you mean you're 16? You're not getting no tattoo. I'm not taking you to no tattoo parlor. But again, we had to sit back but and realize this was his way of remembering his sister. You know, and I think for you know, you chime in, Tony, but the, the yeah, I was gonna say that was an eye awakening moment for me because when you think about a tattoo, it's so permanent, mm -hmm. right? And this meant that this was something so deep that he wanted to have something placed on him so that he will never ever forget his sister. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, right after we lost Anaya, I did get a tattoo. Uh, Right. with her and then when he came up with the idea I said well I can't tell him no <laughs> because right <laughs> and I when he got it and I saw it I was like okay this is this is really near and dear to him and mm -hmm. also uh, I do want to bring up your mom too because mm -hmm. she also got oh yes yeah, so she she got a tattoo my mom got a tattoo name. that's why we say when someone experiences loss it impacts everybody. Mm -hmm. It impacts everybody. Yeah. So when he did it, I was, uh, I was a little worried because he wanted to get it right away. And typical teenage fashion, he went out and just without us, without right. us, <laughs> and just went on and just did it. But uh, instead of just scolding him about it, we were just like, "Hey, we know where your heart was when you went out and did it." So, mm -hmm. hey. And good. yeah, it did. And that's why we, um, you know, in Anaya's project, we focus on the entire family in essence, because it is the entire family that is impacted. And so that's why also we will be um, another part of our grief recovery program is helping children with loss because parents need to know how to help their children after they have experienced grief mm -hmm. you know and so they need to know how to do that and so yes we can say acknowledge we can say communicate we can say treat and that treat is you know allowing them to do those things that helps them whether it's painting a picture a tattoo or want to see a mental health therapist if the parents don't feel but at the end of the day it comes down to the parent being equipped to walk their children through and that's why we're also in instituting the helping children with loss aspect of our grief recovery program because that is going to help parents grandparents to help children with their loss mm -hmm. that's good so the wraparound services is, is what you all mm -hmm. are, are providing and what's definitely necessary so yeah. this is kind of a little sidebar but you know with your with your blended family and i've kind of seen your journey from kind of start to now and um tony you very much love those kids like they're your own right so i think that and correct me if i'm wrong but i think that allowed you all to step in and help them because that relationship was there and it wasn't a strained type of relationship of a stepfather type of role because i've i've never seen you as a stepfather i've always just seen you as the father like you've always been there and how you look at them and all that other stuff so um, would you agree that the relationship that you had with them helped with this process? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, coming into the relationship, even before Sunny and I got married, uh, I was intentional on building a relationship with the boys before the marriage actually happened. And right after we got married, the relationship continued to build. Uh, and you, you're right when you say, I love them, I love them boys. They, they, they my boys. You know, I never used stepfather. I never called them my stepkids. They were my kids. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, having that relationship and them knowing where I was coming from, they know exactly the love that I'm going to give to them, which is totally 100%. Mm -hmm. 
So when they were going through that process of, and to acknowledge too, hey, it's my bad that I didn't talk to you about how you felt about this. I'm sorry, I didn't acknowledge how you were feeling, what you was going through, but moving forward, if you have anything that you wanna to talk to me about, we can talk about it. And, you know, the relationship is, you know, with the two of them, they could come to me about anything. They know what they talk about with me stays with me, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, we have that great bond with each other, so. Excellent. Um, yeah, I remember this goes way back, but <laughs> <laughs> when you all kind of first announced your engagement, I just remember, I don't know if it was on Facebook or we were in church, but Sunita was like, I got a good man. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I really don't remember. I know that's that a long time ago. I mean, it's, I mean uh, yeah, he, he don't remember either, but yeah, he like, but it, may not have been, good. it may he not have been those exact words, but you were like, yeah, I, I got a good one. So that is awesome. That just warms my heart. I just, that just came back to memory. So I just wanted to share that. But, um, <laughs> um, so let's, let's kind of go back to the, the business side of, okay. of nonprofits real quick. What advice would you give a founder who finds him or herself, you know, depleted? The work that we do, we give all day long. You know, we give when we're not working, normal working hours, right? So we get depleted sometimes. So what advice would you give him or her to keep them, you know, kind of focused and to avoid depletion? Because once you get there, it's kind of hard to, hard to, get, to get out of it. Um, I would say setting up boundaries, like, um, and I, you know, this is something I have to work on because like, <laughs> I will talk about a nice project. Like we could be, I could just talk about a nice project all day. Right. Oh. <laughs> we could be like, you know, so I'm learning to, to cut things off because you're so passionate. Ideas are running all day. You're pouring out you're thinking, you're planning, you're strategizing, you're coming up with new ideas and concepts, you got all this excitement about it, and you have to learn how to cut things off. And I'm trying to work on. <laughs> so when I saw this question, I was like, ah. Okay, so I would say setting up those boundaries so that you give your mind a chance to just cut off and not think and just enjoy, you know, when you're, you know, by setting up those boundaries, I'm going to work on your, I'm going to work on a NIAS project or your nonprofit between this hour and this hour. And then you have to force yourself to cut it off at that hour mm -hmm. because you'll just, like you said, that's where the depletion comes because you, you're not cutting it off. So having those boundaries on, I'm going to work on my nonprofit between this hour and this hour, and then I got to cut it off. I know it's a hundred things I got to do, but whatever I have set for that period of time is what I'm going to do, and then I have to cut it off. Mm -hmm. yeah, I would say two things. One is prioritization. Um, just like Sunia said, you can have a hundred things that you have to do. Okay, what are the top five things or the top 10 things that you got to get done right now? So learning how to prioritize your, your things that you're doing for your nonprofit, but not only help you to know exactly where you need to put your attention and resources to, but also you can get others incorporated in that aspect. This is what your board comes into play. Also be able to delegate those priorities. Hey, I need help. Don't try to take it on all yourself. That's why your board is there, is to help you to push the organization forward. And then the other aspect is rest. If you're not 100%, you're not gonna give 100%. So take a moment to actually get some rest. Uh, Sunita made a great point, uh, having a cutoff, yes. Uh, because when you think about it, you're working, you're probably working a full-time job, you're being a parent, you're supporting other people, mm -hmm. and you're trying to run a nonprofit organization. So take a moment to get some rest. You earned it. You deserve it. So Absolutely. be sure that you're mentally and physically uh, good to go. Yeah, I think delegation is... That's just what I was about to say. <laughs> I was trying to wait for him to finish. So I can say my other one was delegate. 
delegation. Yes. I just posted this on <laughs> Facebook. I promise you all, it took me six years and we've been in business for eight. I didn't get it for six years. And oh, it's a lot, but you know, we have to trust ourselves and who we have appointed to do whatever the assignment is. Right. So, cause at one point I was like, well, Jamila, do you trust yourself? Like, Right. You, know, you help to put these people in place. You've given them the tools to succeed. Now allow them to do what they need to do. And if it doesn't work, then just fix it, you know, but that's where this perfectionism comes in for me. And, you know, I had to start, I'm trying to get rid of that. But, you know, once you learn to delegate and just hold people accountable, oh, your world is so much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So delegation. Yeah. All right. And so how have you all personally grown through this process of starting and leading a nonprofit? I know that you said you weren't the couple of 10 years ago, but how has <laughs> this particular journey changed for you personally? Tony? Well, I would say personally, it's helped me to realize that everything is not about you and the experiences that you go through. They're not just your personal experiences. You're you're here to share your experiences to help other people and to help them go through, it might not be the same situation, but to help them with their journey because you have that similar path. Mm -hmm. So it, it's helped me to realize that everything we've gone through as a married couple or individual as a father and mother is to help someone else. Mm -hmm. So I always ask the question, okay, I'm going through this, I know I'm going to turn this around for good in some way. How can I turn it around for that good? And who's going to be the audience for that? Absolutely. Great questions. Yeah. And Sunita? Um, I would say I've grown personally. Um, but like you said, sometimes it's like, yeah, I, you know, it, it's good. You know, you learn about yourself, you know, who you are, what you're able to do, utilizing all of your skills things that may have been dormant, mm -hmm. you're able to utilize all of your gifts, knowledge, and assessments, everything that you've <laughs> ever done. You pulled it all together. And when you're leading your nonprofit, you know, you realize, man, the days that you wanted to quit, the days you weren't sure something was going to work, or maybe it didn't go the way you thought, but you still you might have felt it for that moment, but you get back in the ring, the next event, the next thing, and you try to make it better. So I would say just learning more about my tenacity to not give up, to not, you know, and it goes all back to your mission. You know, it's not about me. If I close the door, it's been plenty of times I've been like, you know what, I could disappear and nobody would probably even notice. But I'm always remember, but then the whole point wasn't about me. It was about, well, who's going to help that person? Who's going to help that mom? Who's going to help that dad? Who's going to help that, that child that just lost their sibling or their sibling may be in the NICU? And they're trying to figure out how can I deal with this? If a, if a nice project isn't there, who's going to do it? Mm -hmm. You know, who's going to do it? You know, and so I think for me, it's just that tenacity to not give up is one of the ways that I have grown through the process of starting my, the nonprofit and leading it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would have to say for me, it's been learning the leadership style, you know, because I've never been in the front. I've always been behind the yes. scenes and I didn't need the credit. You can put me in the rolling credits, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> background you know the person holding the screen like I'm okay with this <laughs> I don't need to be the creator executive producer but you know right. when God pushes you out there and and this mm -hmm. is your baby your vision so you're you're leading it you're the face of it it's like okay wow I'm in a whole new world that I've never been in before so I've learned you know different leadership styles and mm -hmm. You know, in order to lead, you have to be able to follow and, you know, you have to take the lead of your board and this is not about you. And sometimes they're going to agree. Sometimes they're not, you know, so that's why I suggest to all of my clients, you know, really gut check this thing because this is not yours, right? You're right. forever the visionary, but you have to place this baby and allow it to grow throughout the community. But leadership is it's definitely 
my number one thing and I'm learning every single day you know people are different and you have to handle them differently yes, yes. so <laughs> you know maybe before taking that leap do one of those assessments to figure out what type of leader you are you know and surround mm -hmm. yourself with other leaders so that you all can feed off of one another as well yes. right yes. yes yeah so oh my gosh look at the time it's been great I know <laughs> I know it goes by so fast it does we it does know that Good conversation though, but I know that you shared some services. I know that you all have an awesome year coming up, but how can we support you? Um, what's your donation page? Do you have any fundraisers or events coming up before the end of the year? Yes, we actually do. So one of our main goals um, was to have a cuddle cot, which is a, um, it is a bassinet that keeps a baby cool so that a parent, the parents can spend time with their babies, okay? And so a, a lot of times, instead of just taking them to the morgue, some hospitals allow the babies to stay, and some parents never even get the chance to see their babies because the hospitals just don't have the capacity to um, allow the baby to sit out for hours, you know? And so the Cuddle Cot affords families the opportunity with the gift of time. And it's the time to just, you know, spend time with their babies, to take pictures, to dress the baby up in the outfit and just have those moments that they'll have. And so right now our campaign is if someone was to text gift of time to 44321, it'll go to our Give Lively page where you can donate um, to us being able to gift someone with the gift of time. Um, and that is our main campaign right now. We had a couple of things that are already ended. We just did a coat drive and then we're doing our paint and sip, but those things are um, coming up at the end of the month. Um, but the latest one is the Cuddle Cot. Um, and there you can donate. Okay, give us, give us that text again. Okay, the, it's all caps, gift of time. And you're going to text that to 44321. Okay, excellent, excellent. And one last note, one piece of advice that you would give an aspiring founder or an aspiring founder or a new founder, just one piece of advice. Tony? Don't give up. You're going to face some challenges. You're going to face some bumps on the road. Don't give up. Keep pushing forward. Remember your mission because your mission should drive your purpose into making it come to fruition. So wherever you feel discouraged, wherever you feel down, wherever you just want to throw in the towel, remember your mission. Mm -hmm. And that will always inspire you to keep going. Awesome. Sanita? He took my answer. But I was going to say, <laughs> delegate. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Delegate. Since he took mine, I'll, I'll say delegate. Delegate what you can. Release it and trust. Like you said, trust that the people that you are delegating it to have the capacity to be able to execute it with the same excellence and because they're going to know your heart. So hopefully you have picked people who know your, who have your heart so that they are just the extension of you. And so you have to trust them as you delegate for them to do an, a particular task or assignment, just delegate and trust that they are going to execute it just as if you executed it. Excellent. Excellent. And in closing, where can we find Anaya's project? So you can find Anaya's project on Facebook, Instagram, we're now on LinkedIn, and then of course our website, um, www.anayasproject.org, and we're also on Twitter. Okay. All Anaya's Project. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you both for joining me. This has been a great conversation. I'm so excited for you and the work that you're doing with families. And I cannot wait to see what 2021 holds. And hopefully COVID-19 is gone. We can start to see each yes, other again. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we can come back in person for events and we can really celebrate and support each other. But until then, please stay safe and keep up the good work. Thank you so Thank much you for so having much. us. Well, that's our show. 
Thanks for joining me tonight. I hope that you have been inspired, educated, and motivated to fulfill your mission. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me at jamilakempconsulting.com. Make sure you subscribe to us on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Leave us an awesome rating if you wouldn't mind and a comment. Until next time, continue to do good.